Hey, everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, October 21st, 2012. So, this was the first week, official full week, of the new executives being in control the new head writer, the new executive producer, and I can really tell a difference. I'm sure that you guys can too. It's obvious. Some of the things I like a lot, some of the things not so much, but there were a lot of changes. There were big, blazingly obvious changes. <laughs> I mean, they burned down the ranch for crying out loud. I can only imagine your reactions on that. I can only imagine that some of you are like, yeah, and some of you are furious. <laughs> But there were also a lot of little changes, just little things that I noticed. I'm hearing some new music in the background, and I I thought some of the lighting looked really, really different, and there were some fades, like some transitions from scene to scene and out to commercial and from the credits into the show that looked a little different, just a little more, uh, just more fading, <laughs> Uh, but I think the thing that I noticed most of all was it's, the whole show seemed more fast-paced. Like, there were a lot of little gaps in time. A phone call here, a phone call there that normally we would have seen on screen, but it was just implied. And I think the biggest instance of the more the the gaps and the fast pacedness was with the crash with summer where we left off on Friday it was the <gasps> swerve Adam and Chelsea in their car and summer in her car and I guess I assumed that we were going to see the scene of the crash but Monday's show opened right up with Adam at the hospital in the waiting room. We don't really know where Chelsea is. We don't really know where Summer is. But Nick comes blazing in. He's heard about the crash. And Nick naturally goes into bully mode. He, the only thing Nick knows how to do in response to stress is to fist fight. So he comes in and wants to lunge at Adam or at least leap at Adam and and kind of imply that, you know, did you do something to my daughter? Did you harm my daughter in some way? Which was kind of foreshadowing, I think. And Adam reveals that um, Summer is fine. Everybody's fine. Everybody's alive. But it was Adam that brought Summer to the hospital. So flipping it around, no, by the way, I saved your daughter's life. Again, another one of your daughter's lives. Um... And it's also revealed that Summer hit a tree. They, she didn't actually hit Adam and Chelsea. And it wasn't until a little ways into Monday's show where we actually saw Summer for the first time in her hospital room, and it was revealed the new Summer. <laughs> her, the crash was so dramatic that her whole face and body changed. <laughs> So what do you guys think about New Summer? It's definitely a dramatic change. Somebody mentioned to me last week that the New Summer looks like Sharon. And it, the second I saw her, I had the exact same reaction. I thought, holy crap, New Summer looks like she could be Sharon's daughter, not Phyllis's daughter. Are we sure that Phyllis actually gave birth to the Summer? Because <laughs> they look so much alike. Um, except 
I don't know. I, I think that the new summer to me, I've never seen her before. I know she was on Hollywood Heights or something, but I have never seen her before in my life. I thought that new summer looks, I don't know, she looks a little kind of like a scrapper. I get, I get wrong side of the tracks sort of vibe from her. She's a little on the raw side, whereas old summer was more of a pampered princess. You get that super girl, you kind of got that super girl, rich kid vibe from old summer. I don't really get rich kid vibe from the new summer, but there's still so much left to to be learned about the new actress. And she's certainly saying the lines and acting like she's a rich kid because one of the, the first lines out of her mouth when she when Ben came to visit her was, yeah, I totaled my car, but I'll just ask Grandpa to buy me a new one. It's fine. No consequences. Really reminding me of a younger uh, Abby. Really, really giving me kind of a an Abby brat vibe. Filing for emancipation. Summer has decided that's going to be her best route to get away from her evil, horrible, terrible parents. And didn't Abby do the same thing? I can't really remember. I, I Some kid filed for emancipation from their parents recently. I can't remember who it was, but that's her big plan. I, I can't even believe that Summer is allowed out of the house now. It seems that Nick and Phyllis are taking it pretty easy for her. She should be grounded until she's 18 years old. But Nick and Phyllis, they don't punish her. They they don't show her that there are cons they don't show her that there are consequences for her actions and therefore she doesn't end up taking responsibility. She ends she's ending up just like Phyllis thinking that she can just get away with whatever she gets away with and it's going to be fine. It just rolls right off of her back. I don't understand why Nick and Phyllis have this parenting concept. It's I think, honestly, it's just that Nick and Phyllis have always been too wrapped up in their own lives and they're both wrapped up in their own situations, too, so much so that they don't seem to really pay attention to Summer that much. You see a lot of other things going on with both Phyllis and Nick that don't have to do with the fact that their daughter just got in a car accident. <sighs> She's become such a bad kid, and I don't know when that happened. It seems like it just happened overnight. Michael and Lauren do not want Fen hanging around with Summer because she's such a bad influence and I can't blame them. But of course, at the same time, they realize that the more you try to insist that Fen doesn't see Summer, that's exactly what he's going to do. And now Fen is rebelling from uh, Summer's rubbing off on him and he's rebelling against his parents. And we're finally starting to see some personality peek out from Fen. And he he gave her a little smooch this week uh, while she was in her hospital bed. And I really liked it. I think they're kind of cute together. I, I think that Fen is a little bit weird. He gives me a slight weirdo vibe. <laughs> and I really, really like that. I feel really, really bad about Chelsea's miscarriage. I 
have not been a Chelsea fan since the moment that she walked onto the scene. I've never, ever, for a moment, enjoyed Adam and Chelsea together. I've resented the fact that she was pregnant the entire time that she's been pregnant, and now that she's lost the baby, I feel terrible for her. I really do. This is the first time, I think, since she's been on the show that I've actually felt anything human for her, that I've actually felt emotion for her. And it was hard to watch her grief over losing this child. She found out that it was a boy. I don't even know why she would want to know that. But we didn't get to see any of that. It was another instance of little gaps in time. We didn't see anything about her miscarriage. It was just after the summer stuff was over, Adam walked from the waiting room into Chelsea's room and she told him that she miscarried. There wasn't any... You would think he would be aware if something was going on with his wife. That had to have been some... There, it's, there would have had to have been some kind of trauma, like, oh, ow, ow, you know? I mean, we didn't get any of that. It was just... All of a sudden, baby's gone. Summer hit a tree. She's completely fine. Chelsea got jerked around a little bit from the car accident and had a miscarriage. I don't, I don't know. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I just feel so bad for Chelsea now. And I, I know that the real reason is because we can all sense and we all know that Adam is already pulling away from her. He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to discuss his feelings. And she's trying so hard. All she wants is to try to connect with him and to try to draw the feelings out of him. And he is just putting up walls. He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to be close. He just wants to act out. In a way, it's almost like he's a junkie or any other kind of addict where he's had this trigger, this traumatic thing has happened to him. He's lost the child that he was really looking forward to. And now like a junkie, he's going out like looking for his next fix of bad behavior. It was one instance that triggered a total reversion, maybe not total reversion, but at least somewhat of a reversion in Adam's character, which I've been begging for, I know. <laughs> and I am overall happy to see more depth in the character. I, I'm just a little shocked. It does feel jarring that the same day he has lost a child, he is on the internet looking up news about Newman Enterprises. That is so, it's so cold-hearted, just especially 24 hours ago. They were all smoochy, smooch, 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 smooch. And now it's, it's in, in the, the blink of an eye, things have changed. He leaves Chelsea. <laughs> She's grieving. He leaves her to go see Jack to inquire about what's going on with Newman and just to declare his official stance that he's on Team Jack and wants to help Jack. I think he sees it as wanting revenge against the Newmans because Nick's daughter killed his son. And the only time that he had any kind of reaction about his losing this child was when he went to go see Nick. And it was very, it was just, Adam had bags under his eyes. He had obviously been searching around town for Nick, found Nick in Victor's office, almost having a little moment with Avery, and 
Adam just drops this bomb on him that your daughter killed my son. It wasn't a total, you know, the accident didn't claim, you know, it, it, it did claim a life. It was my son. It was my son. And, and Nick decided not to tell Summer. So Summer, when she gets out of the hospital, feels really horrible about the accident, wants to go tell Chelsea and Adam that she's sorry. And Adam and Chelsea are at the house watching her face act as if it was just an accident. I'll give you my insurance information. If you want to sue me, I totally get it. Not knowing at all what the real repercussion of her actions were. It was really just heartbreaking to watch Chelsea say, Summer, it was a baby. You you did this. You can't undo this. And watching Summer somehow conjure up the idea that it's Phyllis's fault. It's Phyllis's fault that Summer got in a car, drove recklessly, and uh, caused Adam and Chelsea to swerve off the road and Chelsea to miscarry the baby? I don't see how you can even make that connection. It's it is yet again the instance of like mother, like daughter, refusing to take responsibility. And it just added fuel to the fire. Things with Adam and Chelsea were so <sighs> heartbreakingly tense. Adam doesn't want to be at home. He doesn't want to sit and wallow, which is what Chelsea's going through right now. So he just has to get out. Adam goes to the athletic club and runs into Sharon. Mm. I could not believe it. Adam approached Sharon, and he actually spent more time asking Sharon how she was than I think he did asking Chelsea how she was. It was really, uh, really, really cold of Adam. He just wants to be with someone, I think, where he doesn't have to talk about it. He doesn't have to really get, he doesn't have to get in touch with his humanness. He doesn't want to be soft. He wants to be hard right now. And Adam asked Sharon if, like, she wanted to get out of there. They're talking a little bit, and he's like, you want to go out and just get out of here and get a burger or something? Which, I'm, you guys, <laughs> after this week, Ronan and Phyllis have totally ruined and changed the meaning of go getting a burger for me. There was a scene where Ronan shows up at Phyllis's apartment with greasy burgers, and it was clearly this weird innuendo or substitute for sex. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And all of a sudden, I, I, Adam was kind of doing the same thing I thought with Sharon. Did, did a new burger joint open up in Genoa City? Now everybody's going there for burgers? Like a Greasy Joe's uh, Burgers and Regret. <laughs> open right up, the, open right up across from Crimson Lights, maybe. Uh, Greasy Joe's Burgers and Regret, where you also get a side of self pity. <laughs> but they it didn't happen. They didn't end up, um, you know, going anywhere. But they did have a brief conversation where Adam revealed to Sharon that he was concerned that now losing his child was karma for what he, or karma coming back and biting him for what he did uh, to Sharon and Faith. My reaction 
Um, no, it's not karma for what you did to Sharon and Faith. If it is karma, it's karma for what you did to Ashley. Why does everybody always act like the worst thing that Adam did was what he did to Sharon? He caused Ashley to miscarry. He scared her so much that she fell down the stairs and lost her baby. That's what you need to be sorry for. <sighs> but I don't think, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's karma. It's Y&R karma, I guess. But I mean, if karma exists, it's kind of karma in a way for Sharon, too, because now Sharon's in this position where she is being the other woman who is comforting the man who just lost a child. That's exactly the situation she was in when she and Nick lost Cassie. Phyllis was right there to comfort Nick because Nick didn't want to be home talking about it. He didn't want to connect. What's happening to Adam right now is very similar to what happened to Nick. And now Sharon is kind of in this other woman sort of situation. And I do think that's what it was because there was a moment where I really felt that Adam and Sharon talking could have so easily turned into desperation sex. Let's just go upstairs and forget about everything and just do it. Let's just at least have this one moment of feeling good because everything in life feels bad. But that's not what happened. They decided to part ways, and I was glad about that. I I, I was glad that it didn't develop into more. I liked that it kind of left on a, a hint note. Just a hint that there might be something more going on in the future between Adam Sharon. Or, you know, it, it left me with a little bit of hope, I guess, <laughs> that there might still be something left in the future between Sharon and Adam. I wonder if Adam feels partly responsible for what has become of Sharon because he, in a way he brought her over to the dark side and then left her there. I, she she left herself there. She's the one that left him, but uh, their relationship was so tumultuous and it always had this vibe of Sharon will always be the only woman for Adam. And when the chips were down and uh, the last word was said, he wasn't there for her. And I just wonder if he is motivated to help her out of guilt. Because Sharon is such a freaking mess. I can't even believe how far down she is sunk because every time I think she can't go any lower, she manages to pull it off. She's sitting at home this week feeling lonely, feeling bad about herself. She's taking a few slugs of vodka here and there. She wanders up to the ranch. And she has this really creepy hallucination <laughs> where she's standing in Victor's living room and Victor shows up and he tells her to get out. She doesn't belong there. And then all of a sudden Nick materializes and tells her how nobody loves her. She's alone and she's made this problem herself. And, and it just culminates into this weird mesh of echoey voices telling Sharon that she's a loser <laughs> and that she doesn't belong there. And just in, in general, kind of her whole world crashing in on her and as if that wasn't bad enough she continues to drink she has this horrible hallucination that ends up 
putting her on the ground, kind of holding herself. And then she gets up and decides to have a few more drinks. She goes to get Victor's tequila, sits down on the stairs. How rude. She <laughs> was drinking straight from Victor's bottle of tequila. I could not believe that. How many times have we seen Victor pull out that bottle and, you know, pour himself a drink? And now Sharon's putting her mouth all over it. <laughs> That really bugged me. That was, that was like one of the moments of the week that bugged me the most. Uh, Sharon, this isn't a college dorm. Pour yourself a glass. Don't get your lips all over his decanter. <laughs> the things that I noticed are very weird. But anyway, she sits down on the stairs in this drunken stupor and she decides to call Adam. And Adam sees the phone call coming in while he's with Chelsea, and he lies and says that it's Kevin. <sighs> That's not a good sign for Chelsea and Adam. Or has just that, he's lying to her now. Ooh, I bet there's mad Chatham fans out there this week. I, I, and Sharon is, is on, the other line, on the other end of the phone, Barely able to articulate anything to Adam. The only thing she really ever, uh, is able to say to him is, help me. Help yourself, Sharon. How about that? I thought the reason why you really liked Adam was that he was the only man who convinced you that you didn't need somebody else's help. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and maybe that's again a reason why Adam feels a little bit guilty about where Sharon is. Adam was the one that convinced her that she was able to do it all by herself, that she didn't need a man's help. And now look what that's gotten her. Everything that that Sharon has done is a result of her trying to be her own person. She finally, after years and years and years of being under Nick's thumb and, and in the Newman cult, she finally stands up, gets two legs of her own, starts making decisions for herself, and look at where it got her. Mm. Well, Adam, for whatever reason, decides that he is going to go rescue Sharon. He again lies to Chelsea, tells her that there's some problem with with a client and Adam has to go fix it. And I just I'm thinking, Adam, you better make sure that you delete those phone calls from your phone, because all it's going to take is Chelsea picking up your phone one moment while you have it out while you're in the shower, seeing that you're receiving phone calls from Sharon and it's all done or calling Kevin and somehow asking him about what happened with the with the client. And she's going to find out right away that he was lying to her. I'm sure that's going to happen next week. How much you want to bet next week? Chelsea asks Kevin about the client, and that ends up getting blown wide open, that whole lie. But Sharon is at the ranch in a, a, a terrible state, and she's trashing the place. Now she's gotten to the violent part of her trip. She's knocking over chairs, throwing vases. She's just messing the place up. And still drinking, she decides that she's going to do a little swig for me. A little swig for the curtains. She grabs a lighter and she just lights the curtains on fire. The curtains go up in instant flames 
this is premeditated. Yes, she's drunk, but she clearly planned to start a fire in her drunken mind. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an oopsie. Sharon freaking burned down the ranch. <laughs> and I'm just imagining, knowing that this is a result of the new writers <laughs> and the new executive producer, I'm just imagining them all sitting around the writer's table saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to really make our mark? And <laughs> someone just raising their hand and saying, I know, let's burn down the ranch. <laughs> just burn it down. Everything that everyone has done before us, let's just burn it down. Oh, I cannot imagine how ticked off you guys are about that. I just wonder, though, I do kind of think that I, I'm only guessing here, but I do kind of wonder if they were planning to remodel the ranch anyway, because we've seen a couple other sets, new sets this week, which I'll talk about later. But also, Sharon was planning on remodeling the ranch a couple of months ago, and I, I just wonder if that was maybe always in the plans and the storyline got dropped as far as Sharon remodeling the place but when the new brass came in I wonder if they were like hey if we're gonna remodel it let's go big and just set the whole place on fire and build a new and I certainly hope that's what happens but Sharon for crying out loud how much worse could this get not only did she set the place on fire but she passed out in the fire if she hadn't called Adam she would be dead how many lives does Adam need to save this week for crying out loud? Adam comes in, he saves her, literally and figuratively. He physically removes her out of the house, takes her back to her house, and decides that he's going to help cover up what she's just done. He tells her that he's going to you know, take care of everything. He's going to find a way to get her out of this. And I just wonder... I just think from, you know, I'm asking myself, why would Adam do this? Why is Adam going out of his way for Sharon? And I really think, it, and I, I think this is a very common emotion for people to feel. I think that it's easier to deal with someone else's problems than deal with your own. And rather than actually facing the fact that he's lost something and going through the feelings that he's having, it's easier for him to just fix someone else's problem. This is something he can just fix. And I really believe that's what it is. I don't know how he's going to fix it. He wrote Sharon a little note and told her, don't go anywhere, don't answer the door, don't do anything. You just need to stay right here because you do not want to incur the wrath of Victor and the whole family when, when they find out that you just burned down the main house. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm kind of wondering if Adam is going to... This would be really stupid, but I wonder if he's going to give Sharon an alibi Ronin style. I wonder if he's going to say, oh, Sharon couldn't have burnt down the ranch because we were together having an affair or something. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if that's what he'll do, but he, I, I honestly thought maybe he was going to stay with Sharon, like he was going to stay the night there, but he doesn't. He leaves her drunk on the couch with, a, with the note and then goes home. And the second he goes home, he wakes Chelsea up and there's still a little bit of sensitivity there. He's still kind of like touched her arm to say, you know, I, there, I still feel like he loves her. But she wakes up and notices right away that he smells like smoke. And 
he tells her that his car engine was on fire. Just another lie. He just lies and lies again. In fact, oddly, using the same excuse that Kevin used with Chloe a couple of weeks ago when he was out moving a dead body. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's always car trouble. Ladies, if your husband tells you he had car trouble, (laughs) if YNR has taught us anything, it's that we need to be aware of men who claim that they have car trouble. But I felt so bad for her because he is just clearly pushing her away. He tells her to go upstairs and get her rest. She needs to rest. And he wants to stay awake, make himself some food. He's wired now. But really, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do for Sharon. He sneaks away and calls her. I mean, it's oh, it's going to become a really, really big mess for Adam. And it's really hard. I can't believe I'm saying it, but it's hard to watch Chelsea so trusting of him because with every lie that he's told, she trusts him. She believes in their relationship and he's lying to her. I, I, this was the first time that I've ever felt slightly torn between, you know, would I rather have Adam with Sharon or Charlie? I I just, I actually had a twinge of of feeling just really bad for Chelsea and her relationship again this week. But I like that this is at least bringing bringing Adam and Sharon together again, um, whether it's romantically or friendship or whatever. I, I still think Adam and Sharon are interesting to watch together. And Sharon is such a huge mess right now. Somebody's got to bring her out of this, and I don't want it to be Tucker. She burned down the ranch, you guys! Is that even, is that rock bottom? Is that as far as she's going to be able to go down? I, I, because I don't even, I can't think of how she could possibly sink any lower. (laughs) Mm. I don't want to go, I don't want to just gloss over how annoyed I am. I mean, my heart was breaking when the fireman told Nikki that the ranch was a total loss, that the main house was a total loss. She burned it to the ground. I'm surprised she didn't walk around throwing salt on the ground so that nothing else could ever be erected there again. (sighs) The ranch is so iconic. There's no way they're going to put it back together the way it was, I kind of think that ranch is over. See, you guys have to tell me how you about, feel about this because I want YNR to be on the air. I want YNR to stay on the air. And, you know, you think about new viewers watching the show. The ranch is outdated looking. Victor should have a more modern house. He's got all the money in the world. He hasn't redecorated once since the 80s. The place still looks straight out of the 80s. I love it. It's always been the ranch. I don't think a thing has ever changed there. So it is hard to let go of that. But, you know, at the same time, maybe it will be good to see a new. They better. If you're going to, I'm sorry, new writers, if you're going to come onto the show and burn down the ranch, You better rebuild it, and you better rebuild it better than ever, or you're going to have me to deal with. The Newmans are having the worst week ever. On the plus side, Victoria looks so good right now. She's got her new haircut, which is super beautiful, and she was wearing this outfit this week. It was a blue top. It was a light 
sky blue top and this really cute red skirt and she had red glasses on and just the blue and the red looked so good together. Victoria looks just so good right now. I'm so happy with her whole hair and makeover thing. She just looks awesome. She's she may be having a bad week, but she looks really good. Jack having the best week of his life <laughs> right now. Jack takes over control of Newman Enterprises, walks in, announces that he's in charge now. Not only is he in charge, he's getting together a whole new board of directors, but <laughs> he fires Victor <laughs> and Victoria and Nick. That was bold. Holy crap, this show should be called The Bold and the Young and the Restless. <laughs> It was intense. The only thing, I just wish it would have had a little bit more of a buildup because I don't feel like I 100%, like, I don't, so basically Jack just bought Tucker's shares and some of Genevieve's shares. He just went and bought up other shares. What about the fact that he was leveraged? I guess maybe when he sold Beauty of Nature, he freed up some more money. It's happened a little quickly. I, I would have almost had rather seen it be dragged out a little bit more just so that I could really sink my teeth into this moment for Jack um, because it was a big moment for Jack. Jack relished it. This is something that Jack has been waiting for for years. Years! It was it was enough for him to get Jabot back. He had fought for so long to get Jabot back, but to finally be in control at Newman, he's had little points throughout the years of working at Newman or being uh, at the CEO of Newman in Victor's absence, but he is the controlling shareholder now. For all intents and purposes, he owns that company, and it's a just a huge moment for him. I wish it would have been um, focused on a little bit more, but I mean, the, the scene where he walked in the office and fired them all was so incredible. He... It was it was such a lie. He said to them, believe it or not, this is not my favorite part of the day. What a lie. Jack loved every single moment of it. Victor was tortured through every single moment of it. Victor realized and revealed to Jack that the only reason Tucker sold him Beauty of Nature was because he knew he was going to get it back. Of course, then again, I don't know. Did Tucker sell those shares to Jack, or are they just in an alliance? Does Jack, somebody please help me. Does Jack own all of these shares, or is he just in an alliance that has controlling shares? Because that makes a difference, and I feel like I don't totally understand that, and I have been paying attention, so I kind of feel like maybe that wasn't really recapped or focused on very well. I just don't entirely understand. But Jack was very impressed with that move by Tucker. Jack now owns Jabo and, and Beauty of Nature, or has control of Jabo and Beauty of Nature, and Newman Enterprises, his head is bigger than ever. Not only did he tell Victor to get out of his office, but he told Victor to take the portrait with him. Oh, I wonder if there'll be a scene where Jack smashes the portrait or something like that. Because I can't imagine Victor actually going in and packing up his own office. But I, I, I mean, Jack, how dare you about the portrait? That was so unnecessarily rude. I know that it's just desserts. Victor did the same thing to Jack. I completely understand that logically, but at the same time, I like Victor being on top. I like Jack as the underdog and Victor being on top. And I don't understand why Victor can't just go in and 
contest the sale of his personal stock. Why can't he just get that back? Sharon did that when they thought he was dead, but he's not dead. Why can't he just go and reverse it? I guess that just wouldn't be very entertaining. But (laughs) the stress of all of this causes Victor to collapse. Out of nowhere, he's just looking through files, sadly at his desk, trying desperately to try to find a way out of this, not understanding why people who once were his friends and colleagues are now aligned with Jack in this hostile takeover. He doesn't get it. He's up late trying to rack his brain over it, and he ends up collapsing, which is too, it's just too much drama for Victor. My goodness, we've been through his amnesia, we've been through the explosion, we've been through thinking he was, you know, everybody thinking he was dead, and now he's collapsing in the hospital, having like a follow-up concussion. It's too much. I need Victor to just chill out for a while. It's, I, I can't handle it. And and I was kind of happy that Victor had a little bit of a revelation moment after this health scare in the hospital, and he decides to tell his family that he's going to leave this fight to his kids. He, The words came out of his mouth, I'm not going to fight for Newman Enterprises. Could you even see, can you see my head exploding? Victor Newman not going to fight for Newman Enterprises? Instead, he's going to leave it up to his kids, and he's going to give them the choice. Side note, how long will that last? (laughs) But for now, he wants them to decide how, and even if, they're going to fight for it. And I get the impression that Nick wants to give up. Nick's tired of the battle. He's tired of fighting. That's all he ever does. When is he going to get a chance to enjoy his life? If he's not fighting something professionally, he's fighting something personally, I think Abby's in kind of the same place. She's never been as interested in Newman Enterprises. She's certainly not going to step up now. And plus, we know Marcy Ryland is leaving the show, which the more time that goes by, the more I wish that wasn't the case. I wish she was staying. But it leaves Victoria kind of on her own to go and get the company back. She sees this as a challenge. She sees this as her father challenging her to step up and show how much she cares about this legacy that he's created for them. And rather than doing it alone, she wants to do it with her husband. Jack has asked Billy to come on and work with him at Newman. I don't know why Jack wouldn't just ask Billy to run Jabot, but he wants Billy there at Newman, I think, just to stick it to Victor. I really do. And at first, Billy's like, no, why would I do that? You just took over my wife's company. You think I'm going to come work with you and go against her? I don't think so. But Victoria decides, I want you on the inside. I I want you to go uh, be my inside guy and tell me what's going on there and make sure that everything is uh, up to snuff. So Billy goes back to Jack and accepts the job to work at Newman, which I... I mean, Billy even said straight up to Victoria, all right, I will go undercover and I'll betray my brother if I have to. I don't know how Jack doesn't see that. It's kind of obvious. I guess Jack just thinks, fam- you know, his family loyalty with Billy is stronger than Billy's re- marriage. I don't I don't know why. But Jack is going to trip himself up sooner or later. If it's not with Billy, it's going to be with just 
his ego. I mean, it's a story of his life. He gets what he wants, and then he gets overconfident, and then he loses it. That's what Jack does. And Genevieve called it this week, as a matter of fact. She went to see Jack. She's just helped him out a ton, and she's expecting maybe a little reciprocity, maybe a little bit of friendship, a little bit of kindness, and Jack pretty much slammed the door in her face. He was like, ah, now that I got what I want from you, I don't need you. And Genevieve just looked at him and said, that's hubris, Jack. And that's the kind of thing that brings men down. And that's exactly what's going to bring Jack down. It may not be, it, it, it's probably not going to be Billy or Victoria or Victor or anybody else that eventually brings Jack down. It's going to be Jack that brings Jack down. Um, Jack got a, you know, Jack got a visit from Nick this week. And Nick made a lot of really bold comments in addition to his wanting to smash Jack's face in over what he's just done. But Nick made a comment this week about how Jack has lost his soul. And even though I am, I'm annoyed with Jack. I mean, I don't know, I guess. I don't, I think that saying that Jack has lost his soul is a little bit of an overstatement. I don't think... I, I just don't see it that way. John also came to visit Jack, um, John's ghost, a.k.a. Jack's conscience, and told Jack that he doesn't um, approve of what he's doing. And I think I agreed with that side of the argument. I don't think it's that Jack has become an evil person who's lost his soul. I think it's that Jack has lost sight of what's really important. And he has had to learn that lesson so many times, just like Victor. They're constantly choosing this war over their family, and they're constantly paying for it. And I think it's been, it's, it's been nice to sort of get a hint that Victor has reconnected with uh, that, that he's uh, regained sight of family being more important than business and health being more important than vi- than business. Um, Jack just still hasn't learned that lesson. And I don't know if it's going to last <laughs> for Victor. I, ho- I don't know. I kind of hope it does because I want to believe in a new Victor. I want Victor to be a nice old guy. <laughs> I want him to be the hero of the show, not the villain for once. I want this to usher in a new, softer Victor. I'm tired of seeing evil Victor. If Victor goes soft and never comes back, that's totally fine with me. He needs to be done battling these battles. He needs to settle into his relationship with Nikki and just enjoy his life and, 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 and yes, step back and let your kids run the company and stop butting into things and give him some new challenges that don't have to do with his relationship with Nikki or, or this rivalry with Jack. There's so much else that can go on. I'm ready to see both Victor and Nikki being happy together. And it's so far, it seems like everything's going really well for them. Um, <laughs> except that the fact that their home just burnt down, Nikki gets a call while she's at the hospital, I think, or somewhere. I can't remember where she was, but she gets the call that the ranch has, that it's on fire. And she and Nick go there and watch their home go up in flames. <sighs> I hope that, like, the rebuilding of the ranch, which they damn well better do, and I'm going to assume that they will do, is this a symbol of a new beginning for Nikki and Victor. It's, oh, because they need it. They really, really need it. And I totally wanted to cry 
when, at Nikki's reaction of the home being just gone. It was so hard to watch her suffering through that. And knowing that she she can't bear to tell Victor he's just had this coma, or not coma, he just passed out, he's got, what, what do you call it, concussion, he's just in the hospital right now, he's going through so much, he just lost his company, she doesn't want to tell him that he's lost his home too, I, I cannot even blame her, you guys, just wait until Victor finds out that every single black t-shirt that he owns has just been burnt to a crisp. I know Kane is hoping to get a promotion out of the whole Jack takeover thing. And I don't know. Do you think he's going to get it? Is he going to be disappointed? I don't know what the writers have in store for Kane and Lily, especially since we know that Crystal Khalil is moving to recurring status, which is sad. Every time I see Lily now, I'm like, man, I like Lily. Why can't they show us more of Lily, not less? So I don't know if... Kane's position at Jabot is going to somehow transition uh, Lily off into part-time. I just don't know. I'm not sure where they're going with this. And as we all know, Genevieve is leaving the show, so she's certainly on her way out. And finally, my goodness, after so long of the cat and mouse game with this Samantha thing, finally Kane catches the person who's impersonating Samantha this week. Uh, there was, uh, he, he gets another cryptic note, and then he decides to work with the security team to pull the fire alarm so that the woman is flushed out from her room upstairs. I can't believe they agreed to that, but they did, and Kane catches her and starts asking her questions, and the girl says she's going to spill her guts. The only problem is, what she says is that Genevieve is the one who's been paying her. So she says Genevieve has been feeding her information about the family to make this whole thing go down. And I don't believe it for a second. It's certainly possible. Genevieve is denying, denying, denying. And it seems believable. It's certainly, it is certainly possible that she is doing it and lying right now. But I just don't think so. I can't help but think it's got to be somebody who wants revenge on Genevieve, because otherwise, what's the point? I don't understand what the point is. Why torture Cain? It seems like the whole thing has been about torturing Cain, dropping him these little notes and making him think maybe his sister is alive. And what is the point of that? And furthermore, now it seems that the focus has shifted into it being someone who wants to torture Genevieve, because her room got tossed, and now this impersonator is blaming the whole thing on her. And I'm just asking myself, who is who could be behind this? Who would want revenge on Genevieve? And there's really only two answers that I can think of, given the information we already have. It could be Colin. I think that's an obvious uh, possibility. But I don't know, more and more... My gut instinct tells me that Tucker is probably the one behind it. So Phyllis is off the hook for the hit-and-run crime. And I would like to revise my feelings about this, because the way I feel now is different than the way I feel last week. I got very up in arms about it last week, like, Phyllis needs to pay for what she's done. And I... 
honestly, the way I feel about it now is I can summarize it. I can summarize it in one word. Whatever. <laughs> Just whatever. Phyllis is off the hook. It gets us out of this storyline. I don't even care anymore. It's been so long and so convoluted and so annoying that I just don't even care anymore. The thing that bothered me uh, more than anything about the trial was that as soon as the verdict was, or not the verdict, but the, the judge dismissed the case, Christine stood right up in court and she's like, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? This, is, this case is legitimate. And the judge starts scolding Christine like it's her fault. He tells her, he basically accused her of finding, of lying and finding this loophole that negates the statute of limitations on the case that Chris was a federal agent at the time. I do not get the impression that Chris lied about being a federal agent. I think that Chris maybe stretched, maybe that was a little bit of a stretch to try to get Phyllis on this crime, but I don't think it was a lie. And I certainly don't think that all of a sudden now Chris is the bad guy. It was weird how the whole courtroom just turned on her. Phyllis is the one that did the crime. Phyllis did try to kill Christine. There's no way around that. Whether she got off of it uh, for it or, or not, I don't care. She tried to kill her. Christine's not in the wrong. Um, and I, you know, I, it made me want to puke a little bit the way Phyllis was gloating around Christine. Like, I just, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I just can't stand Phyllis. And I hate that it's come to this point. I need Phyllis, I need to be backed off of Phyllis for a while. I need to not see Phyllis for a, a month at least. Can you just give me a, a month break from Phyllis YNR so that I can recoup <laughs> from all of, uh, from her being in the front, forefront of every scene for the past year? Can you just give her, give Michelle Stafford a vacation, let her go away, get pampered for a while. Let's bring her back a little bit anew because I'm just tired of it right now. I'm, I'm tired of her being seen as the victim when she's clearly not. <sighs> I know Chris is planning on filing a civil suit. Paul doesn't want to file a civil suit. Paul told Chris, I think you need to start coming to the to terms with the fact that Phyllis got away with it. And yeah, it's not right. But is it really worth your emotional energy to continue to pursue it? And Chris decides, yes, it is. Chris wants vengeance. So she's planning on filing this civil suit, which I don't really even want to see. I want to be done with it. I, I'm just... The, the storyline had so much potential and it just ugh, it exhausted me at the end of the day. And even though Phyllis did not get convicted, it's not exactly like she's getting a free pass. Phyllis lost Nick and she has become estranged from Summer. And all of that happened. She didn't get, you know, I mean, she ended up blowing up her whole world over this. And so, I don't know, can't Chris be satisfied with that? I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't want to see Phyllis go to jail. I didn't want to see Ronan lose his job. And Michael decided to let Ronan off the hook, even though Michael knows the truth about Ronan covering up evidence and lying to the police. Michael tells him he's not going to go public with the information, but warns him, scolds him that if he ever screws up a case of mine again, you're out. <laughs> It's just totally ridiculous. It's just ridiculous that Ronan, a federal agent, is taking any kind of orders or direction from a district attorney. 
I'm sorry, but the chain of command is is a little uh, off balance there. And why is Ronan only assigned to cases in Genoa City anyway? Ro- they should have probably just had Ronan lose his job because it doesn't make sense that that the federal government was like, yeah, Ronan, you're just assigned to cases that have uh, anything to do with Genoa City. That Genoa City, Wisconsin, that's a hot spot of federal crime. So we're just going to, you just get stationed there. It's ridiculous. He would be stationed somewhere else. I mean, wouldn't he have an office in Washington? It's kind of the same. He's the same thing as Chris. Chris is also a federal agent. So I, I think she works for the Department of Justice or something. So, I mean, they're both... Federal government employees, which are based in Washington, D.C., is ridiculous that he's in uh, Genoa City. It's just not how it works. <laughs> but, again, whatever. All's well that ends well for everyone. Ronan thinks he's just going to ride off into the sunset with Phyllis. But I'm sorry, that's not going to happen Ronan is such a total rebound for Phyllis. Now that her trial is over, she doesn't need him. She may want to have sex with him every once in a while if she's lonely, but she's already ignoring his calls. She does not need him anymore. She is off the hook, and now she wants to get her life back. Phyllis loves Nick, and she's not going to let him go without a fight. She is already jealous that Nick is spending time with Avery, and Phyllis confronts Avery about it like Phyllis is not having an affair also Nick and Avery have not had anything they've not had I mean they had one kiss but there's pretty much for all intents and purposes no sex or sexual things going on Phyllis is screwing Ronan and she acts like surprised that Nick is now going to divorce her and that he's kind of starting to move on with Avery I I don't understand in what universe that that she that she is the, the victim again she's always has to be the victim why wouldn't nick want to move on after all of the drama i think that phyllis really thinks that it's just all gonna blow over that he's just gonna forgive her and that's not gonna happen things with nick and avery are actually moving pretty fast i mean in a emotional kind of way. It seems like they were having that affair, at, you know, a few months ago, and then it was totally dead. There was not even any secret looks between Nick and Avery. Nick it was totally committed to Phyllis, and now the second that Phyllis is went off and cheated on him, all of a sudden that spark is back. They've allowed that spark to be back between Nick and Avery, and I like it. <laughs> I think that Avery is like Sharon plus. <laughs> she's like Sharon extra. <laughs> I really like her. Like and she and she's nothing like Phyllis and I think that's probably why I like her the most. Avery is stable, she's smart, she's savvy. She's actually getting in close with Summer being a good example, which is what Summer needs right now. And Phyllis is just pissed. You just know it. <laughs> you can feel it. Phyllis is pissed that Avery is hanging around Nick. And uh, and I think she's pissed even even though Phyllis kind of asked Avery to talk to Summer and to try to get close to her. I think at the end of the day, Phyllis resents any involvement that Avery has in her life or with anyone that's involved in her life. So Phyllis 
goes to Avery's apartment to just just to tell Avery that she plans to get Nick back. That that's how she's gonna, that's, that's her new plan. She's gonna get close to Summer by getting Nick back, which was essentially just a passive-aggressive way of saying, stay away from my man! Don't you even think about it! <laughs> I don't know why she just didn't say that. Oh, well, by, by the way, though, Avery's apartment! We got the new set! Avery's apartment looks so good! I like it so much! They must seriously be planning on doing a lot with Avery if they're giving her her own apartment because it looks like there was a lot of effort put into that. It even has a terrace. That was so cute. The way they kind of walked through her apartment, showed it that it has a little back deck. It was really, really nice. We need some freshness. Um, I just think that they must have gotten a budget for new sets or something and that that they, read, they gave Avery an apartment and I think they're going to redo the ranch. That's just my guess. But... You know, I think clearly Avery's apartment is just going to become the screw house. Like, this, <laughs> the place where she's going to screw Nick. That's the only reason she needs to have an apartment. Like, more importantly, where's the bedroom? <laughs> it's going to happen, you know, whether you like it or not. And I personally like it. I think Avery and Nick are really cute. Um, after Phyllis left Avery's apartment, Avery decides to just go out to the athletic club where Nick happens to be. I think that they both are just hoping to run into each other. It's not a coincidence at all. They're hoping to run into each other. Avery sees Nick sitting by the fire after this horrible day. Summer, oh my God, Summer has gotten into this car wreck and they've lost the company and now that his child at home has gone up in flames and he's just sitting there having a drink and she shows up and they're just small talk. It's nothing heavy. It's just chit-chatting and they decide to play a game of chess which was a really, really um, beautiful scene, by the way. It was this silvery chessboard placed right in front of the fire. So you could see the flames in the background, the little chessboard in the middle, and then they had two drinks and Avery and Nick on either side. And I thought it was very representative of kind of that flame being there, the hotness being there, but also an intelligence kind of, you know, a, a, a game. You know, Phyllis and Nick always played video games, which was representative of their relationship. Avery and Nick maybe have a little bit more of kind of an intelligent thing going on. They're connecting more mentally, more on a um, more on a mental level and less on a sexual level, but there's that passion kind of burning in the background with the fire. And I thought it was it was a pretty shot and it was it was <clears throat> nice to see them together just talking. Like I think Avery seems so perfect. She's her perfect blonde hair, and she's a lawyer, and she's really smart, and she seems to be the whole package, but she's klutzy, and she sold this, told this story about when she was in a school that she just was given an example of how she accidentally put her skirt on inside out and dropped a big thing of pizza in the middle of it, and it was just cute. I liked it. I liked that she seems perfect, but she's got her little problems, too, and I just think that her and Nick make a cute little couple. I, I think that I'm so, I'm just tired of the Nick Phil Sharon triangle. Nick deserves this. Nick deserves something new. He's been caught between Phyllis and Sharon and their drama and their messes for just way too long.
Since Phyllis is off the hook, that means that Kevin is off the hook, too. And I'm sorry, please forgive me for saying this, but Kevin is being such a little biatch right now. Like, he's just, he's been a jerk for the last week or two. He's stressed out, and I understand that. But after the trial was over, Kevin actually said to Michael that he was only doing this for his career, that somehow Michael really enjoyed prosecuting Phyllis and, and like, it's Michael's fault that Kevin was involved in it. I'm so annoyed with Kevin right now. He is just treating Chloe like she did something wrong by confiding in Michael. And it's ridiculous because it's not like Kevin hasn't lied to Chloe a hundred different times. He lied to her about Billy being alive and uh, when Delia was in the hospital, that's a pretty big lie. He lied to her about his involvement in Phyllis in this crime with Phyllis. He just lied to her a couple of weeks ago and now he is angry with her for what she did. Like, I'm sorry, Kevin is lucky that Chloe did not leave him on the spot, especially over the Phyllis thing. Like, okay, you, you tell me, your husband helps another woman move a dead body? Do you stay with him? I don't. <laughs> I'm so annoyed with Kevin. <sighs> he's trying, like, he's forgiven Chloe. He's still mad at Michael, but he has seemingly forgiven forgiven Chloe. He tells her that he forgives her anyway, which I don't know if I believe him. I just wonder what is going on with that relationship because I see trouble on the horizon. I just have to quickly mention, because there's not a whole lot to talk about, but <sighs> the second we get new writers on the scene, all of a sudden, Eden has a mystical dream. It's leading us ever closer to the mystery of what happened with Ricky. Is Paul going to get off the hook? Eden has a dream, and she wrote down everything that happened in the dream. Basically, Ricky was there, and he said some mystic things to her, and it's like weird little riddles <laughs> that they need to figure out. I don't remember what... There's like three phrases. I don't remember what they all are, but Paul heard the phrases and immediately started putting together the pieces. Paul is so, he's, he's an investigator. <laughs> he, he just is able to figure these things out. Cause to me, I never would have guessed that they're not anything that has ever been in the storyline before. It was stuff pointing to Ricky's apartment in Evanston and, or like a, a, a summer house or something that Isabella's family had somewhere in California and a bank or something. It was just a, a bunch of little things that we never ever would have guessed. I don't, they seem to think that maybe if they follow these clues, there will be some kind of revelation of where Ricky hid the tape of him murdering Rachel, but I don't know why Ricky would ever tell Eden anything that would lead her to get Paul free. I think Ricky wants Paul to fry for this. And like in my mind, because I really liked Ricky, I think I wonder if they're going to start following these clues and at the end of the trail, 
after following all these breadcrumbs, I wonder if Ricky's going to be physically at the end of the trail. And I'm wondering if anybody is kept up. I mean, I check guesting updates all the time and have heard nothing about this, but I'm wondering if any of you guys have heard anything. Is there any news, any clues, any hope that Peter Port might return to YNR? So there is a little bit of open casting news this week that I wanted to talk to you about. The first being that we have some, basically some new casts. Apparently, a guy from General Hospital has been brought onto the show. His name was Ignacio Seraccio or something. I guess he played Diego on General Hospital. I, I know the basic General Hospital players, but I don't know all of the nuances, so I don't recognize him at all. But the information that I read is that this guy, Diego, is going to be an undercover cop from New York City. My first reaction, I'm sorry, he may, maybe he's an amazing actor. That's, I mean, the quality of actor hasn't been the problem with YNR. It's been the storylines. My first reaction is, another cop? Really? Do we need any more cops or lawyers? Can we please, please stay out of courtrooms and police stations? I'm so tired of it. An undercover cop? Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. It hit a button with me. It really did. And two other casting updates. I guess they've, Reinhardt's brought on two male models. Not actors, male models. One of them is... I think maybe possibly going to be cast as Sarge's son, which could be good. The other one, haven't heard anything about. I'm wondering if there's any possibility that the other guy is going to be connected to Drusilla somehow. They're both African-American male models. I just wonder if it's going to be maybe Drew's son. Maybe she's gone on and had another life. I don't know. Just somehow I, I just have a feeling that maybe Drew is going to come back and that they're going to build a storyline around her. I've just had that vibe, I don't know, for a while. Or not, maybe not. Maybe they're just bringing on some random people. And my problem here is that I feel that this is the same kind of problem that we always run into. Like, the new executive producer comes on and they bring in their favorites, people they've worked with before from, from different soap operas or different shows. Obviously, New Summer, New Noah, those are both direct results of the new producer uh, having worked with those people and wanting to put the, their pet people into their new project. And I, like, Mar Maria, uh, Arena Bell did the exact same thing. She brought in a bunch of actors from other soaps, and the cast got bloated. Nothing really got focused on. And I ask you, how is this any different? Maybe the new people are going to be great. I don't know. But at the same time, they just fired a bunch of people that we already knew. Why fire people and then just to bring on new ones? I said it at the time, and I'm saying it now. Genevieve, um, Abby, so freaking annoying. Um, Harmony. Those are all people who we had gotten used to, and they fired them because, A, they said they weren't integral to the storyline, or B, it was casting cuts because they didn't have the funding. Well, I'm sorry, are you bring, where, where are you pulling out the money from your butt to bring on these new people? You think they're working for free? Because I don't think so. It just worries me. <laughs> 
that we're getting into the same situation we were in before. I don't want new people. That's what it boils down to. I don't want new people. <laughs> I'm tired of getting jerked around. We've been jerked around for forever. I want some stability on the show. I want some people that I know and that I can get used to and that I can get behind. I'm tired of being jerked around. I want some preference to go to the veterans. I'm a veteran viewer, and I want my classic characters. They are who makes Y&R. And while I'm talking about it, are we done seeing all of the new credits? Because it seems to me like there's a few people missing. I keep thinking, is that it? Like, I don't know. I just, like, where's uh, where's Lauren? I, I said that last week, I think. Where's Lauren? Where's Jill? I mean, I know she's recurring, but for crying out loud, she's been on the show for way longer than I've been watching. Doesn't she deserve the opening credits? What about Gloria, Jeff? They're on the show fairly regularly. I, why Esther? Every time I see Esther's opening, I'm so annoyed because I think, why Esther and not all of these other people who are on the show way more? I can understand not wanting to put recurring people on there, but when they're core people, Jeff and Gloria, I can maybe even see, but gosh, Gloria's been on the show for a really long time too. I don't know. I'm just... Uh, I'm annoyed a little bit. Like I said, there's a lot of good stuff, but there's some things I'm annoyed with, too. And I just think maybe they're not full-time, but for crying out loud, doesn't being a veteran count for anything? Okay. Oh, my podcast friends, I think I've used up every ounce of energy that I have. I'm <laughs> just talking about the show. <laughs> It's been a lot of good and some not so good and everything in between. And I had a lot of opinions on it. I I really, this has been one of the first weeks in a while where I had to really stop myself from watching ahead. I want to know what's going to happen. It's hard not to be intrigued. There's just such a different vibe. It's undeniable. And I am curious to know where it's going to take us. I hope it's someplace good. I really, I have high hopes for it. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be things that annoy me. There always will be. But, you know, in general, I think it's, you know, hopefully going to be new and intriguing. The point is that it keeps us talking. That's the most important thing. When I feel blah about the show is the worst. I'd rather be up in arms and crazy about the show and arguing about something than feeling nothing. So, so far, it has accomplished that. <laughs> and now it's time for you guys to tell me what you think about the show. What's going on on screen or what's going on behind the scenes. I know you guys have got opinions and I know you want to give them to me. So here's what you can do. You can give me a phone call and leave me a voice message. I think you get three minutes before the beep and you can just call in and leave your rant. The telephone number is area code 309-588-4569. It's country code one within the, uh, with, if you're abroad. Um, so I'm within the U.S. Country code 1-309-588-4569. Or you can go to my blog and leave a comment there. The web address is yrchatblog.blogspot.com. Or you can just send me an email to yrchat at live.com. However you would like to contact me, I know you can't wait to contact me. <laughs> you got to get it out too. I, you know, It's hard to watch the show and not 
talk back about it. I don't know how I ever did it before. I, 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 I actually started watching The Bold and the Beautiful several months ago, and I find now that I'm kind of into it, it's a little bit difficult for me to watch the show and not comment. <laughs> I have so many quips that I'd love to share, <laughs> but I just don't have a place for it, and I can't take a... I can't take the commitment of doing another podcast, but so I'll just talk to myself about that. But you don't have to talk to yourself about YNR. You can talk to me, so please feel free to leave me a comment and let me know what you guys are thinking. And that's going to do it for me for this week. I am going to go take a nap. <laughs> I love you guys. I'll be back next time. We'll chat again next week about our favorite show, and I'll be thinking about you and watching right along with you. Until then. <laughs> Okay, guys. Love ya. Bye.